The Sports Career Podcast, episode 274. How can a football jersey be a symbol to end women violence? Hello, Sports Achiever, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the football industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests, and needs. Now, before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, if you're struggling with regards to starting a career in the sports industry, check out my sports career mini course, where in seven modules, you'll learn how to discover and start your career in the sports industry with confidence. For more information, go to education to sport forward slash MC and take action. Now, getting back to today's episode, this week's podcast special guest is Zajan Rochelle Yildirim. Zajan's got a really inspiring football career journey. She's currently the executive director at Garib Zajan Yildirim Foundation, where she specializes in the foundation with regards to youth development, education initiatives, violence against women and gender equality. For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Zajan as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Zajan will share her football career journey and explain to you how a football jersey can be used as a symbol to end women violence in our global society. Zajan, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your football career journey. When did it all start? Hi, Ed. I just want to say I'm really excited to finally speak with you. It's awesome that we're able to connect over LinkedIn. My football journey actually started exactly a year ago today, a day before International Women's Day. Last March 7th, there was a viral attack going on in my father's hometown of Samson, where a woman was unconsciously laying in the street, beaten by her husband in front of her five-year-old daughter. And it was actually the same street that my grandmother lives on and where I grew up in when I was living in Samson as a kindergartner. So just seeing the whole country of Turkey share a stance against violence against women and share this video, it deeply saddened me. But I also wanted to take the progressive approach of doing something more than just reposting something online or sharing a hashtag. And given that we are the most influential organization out of that city, I felt it was our responsibility to actually act more than talk. So exactly one year ago today on March 7th, I asked my dad if we could create a purple jersey and dedicate it to raising awareness for violence against women. And I was ready to go to war for this because I'm an, actually an activist for women's rights for femicide. And it was the easiest conversation that I had. So I was expecting for my father to say, no, it's too controversial. It's too political because it is a very controversial topic in Turkey where people don't normally openly show support. 
but within two minutes in the middle of the night, he said, yes. And I said, okay, well, tomorrow's women's day. Like let's make the announcement. And the rest was history. So that's how I got started in the football industry. I'm lost for words because I didn't know about the story. Wow. Okay. Can we just go back a little bit in time just to paint the picture for the, the listeners? Because my goodness, that's such a powerful story. And we're going to talk in a lot more detail, but with regards to your dad running a football club, would you just share your experience being like a daughter of like being in a football club environment, which then made you make that courage decision to take action from. So sort of going backwards to then move forwards. But I love your thoughts on that side of things with regards to the position you currently are now. So about three, four years ago, there was a football team. It's from my father's hometown, the official football team. And he grew up a fan as a little kid. And it was going bankrupt because all of the sports teams in Turkey are backed by municipalities. They're not privately owned, but because they were going bankrupt and we are the only football team in all of Turkey that's allowed to have the first president of Turkey who actually created modern Turkey out of the Ottoman Empire. We're the only person allowed to have his logo on our jerseys right here. So um the war of independence for Turkey actually started in Samsun where we represent the football team. So instead of losing the heritage and all of that, because he's the person on our money, his image is in all of our government buildings. So it has a big prestige since we're the only team that's allowed to do it. My father actually decided to buy the football club, making him the only private owner in all of Turkey for all sports Um, So it was something that, of course, is very risky, very new, given that we don't have a background in sports, but very exciting because um, my mom's side of the family, she's Black American, you know, all of her family members are athletes. She was an athlete. My brother is an athlete. I grew up loving sports. So then to just know that we are owning a team was really exciting. Of course, there's just a lot of pressure, you know, how is a businessman going to transform a soccer club? What is he going to do? Um, People are unsure, but again, they're curious just because I do have a very unique background of being black American and Turkish. So um, a lot of eyes on me being the daughter of a sports team owner, but it was exciting. And um, it's something that we're very proud of. And, you know, we're learning day by day. It's something that's new, but it's, it's been a journey for sure. With regards to your experience, like, have you embraced the journey? Because it must be exciting your end, particularly we're going to get to the campaign. But I think it's cool that it's not just what goes on on the pitch or off the pitch with business. There's actually that social responsibility of football of making a difference. So I, I love your thought process when your dad said, right, I'm going to take on this fun challenge. But have you seen it from your eyes from the last four years reflecting? Um, In the beginning, I actually wasn't involved. It was just very exciting to go to the games. Um, We progressed from the second league, which was third division, and then we progressed up to the next league. And we've been very close to getting into the Super League, which is the top division in Turkey. So we had a very quick transformation. And I think it's very exciting because, of course, I've known about the team since I was a little girl, too. But then my involvement just in the past year has been a lot more exciting because there's just so much opportunity to grow and change and progress. I think um, football is definitely an industry where you can make it what you want it to be, especially in the day of social activism. And since my background 
being an executive director of a corporate foundation, you know, my job is philanthropy, but it's also my passion. So to be able to just infuse that into a football team has been so exciting. And then I just love marketing because it's my background. I actually wanted to study sports marketing in undergrad and I chose business marketing because it was more versatile. So just to bring all of my passions together and watch life unfold with so much opportunity has been extremely exciting. And I just feel really gracious for the opportunity. You just mentioned briefly, because this shows all about helping that next generation into the football industry or sports industry. Could you just share what you learned from your business marketing degree and how has it supports you now? Uh, with marketing, it's all about understanding what the message you want to give to your fans or how do you want to position yourself in the minds of others. And it's a journey. So I'm always telling people that, you know, we have to come up with a strategy and it's going to take time. So a lot of people who don't have a marketing background that I work with want these short wins, but I'm always looking for the long run. So I'm saying, look, the process is going to be a little bit messy. We have to be patient, but people are going to love the end results. So this is what I've learned is you have to have a lot of patience and you have to take these little steps to get these big wins. Could we tap into this a bit more from a strategy standpoint? What do you mean one with patient? I know people know what the word means, but from a strategy standpoint, is there like a time period you set out with even this campaign? And you said the word messy. I've, I've heard a great phrase that your mess is your message in regards to marketing and it's how you bring it together with regards to the objectives you want to achieve. But could we just touch on the strategy bit? Because I think I find it curious, but also I think we said it's really important then trying to get the quick win, which never really works out the long run. So yeah, I'd love your thoughts on that, please. Uh, thank you. Well, for example, with social media, so you're trying to position yourselves in other people's minds. And um, Turkey is very traditional. It's all about winning, winning, winning football games. But we're trying to show that football is just more than just football. So how are we doing this? We're trying to show that we have values. We're trying to show that we're community-based. We're trying to show that um, we care about social issues. So um, we actually just lost a very upsetting game Saturday night. And then tomorrow's International Women's Day. And now we're in this battle, for example, like, okay, we have to share a message for Women's Day, but the fans are upset that we lost. But again, when you're trying to build a brand, yes, the fans are going to complain. Why are you sharing this post? Um, win games, focus on winning games. We don't care about these silly messages that you're putting out. But in the long run, five years from now, people will say, oh, I'm so proud of this team because they have values. They stand you know, for community. They stand up for social issues. But in the long run, people say, focus less on women's rights and focus on kicking the ball, focus on scoring goals. But again, there's this process of, do you want a team that you're proud of? Because you can't win every year. Um, so building a brand takes time and it takes consistency and you have to have core value. So as I mentioned earlier, we have Ataturk, who was the first president of Turkey on our logo, which is a really big thing. And he had such great ideals that the foundation of Turkey is built on. And we try to build upon these ideals. But again, people just want to see pictures of football and they want to hear news of football and they want to win games. But what we're trying to do is showing that we're actually Turkey's team. We have Ataturk on our logo we stand for something bigger than football. And we have seen that other football clubs within Turkey have started to follow our lead. So um, again, it's for the long run. We know that we're having a ripple effect. Again, um, 
we could do what the fans want, which is just posting about football, but then there's just no longevity. So when you don't have a brand, it can crumble, but if you have a strong foundation, then you're always going to have a community backing you. So this is my aim in marketing is building that brand, having a message and showing that um, we're not here just for sports, but we can actually use sports for something bigger than us and actually change the nation. So just on with regards to transferable skills here, because look, we're going to go even deeper, having like core values within yourself, like you or me having core values, what are the benefits? Because I assume it's exactly the same of marketing a football team. If we have our own personal values, the better how we're going to be come across online. So I love your thoughts on that, because I know you've just got an award, a game changer award with regards to women leadership. And I know you're super proud of that. And we're going to talk in more, more detail on leadership as a topic, but I assume like core values is transferable, not just for a club, but also ourselves with our career development. I love your thoughts of how your values have elevated to the last year with the current work you're doing, but also yourself as a leader, like put you on the spot there a little bit, but I love your thoughts. I think just as a marketer, you get to paint who you are and what's important. And then you get to transfer that to the club. So again, it's all about, um, the package that you put it in. But for example, I'm a very optimistic person and I'm a very patient person. Um, so I try to use this in my work. And again, like I always talk about like the long run, I'm such a patient person. I always see the bigger picture, the finer details, but I think just everything you do transfers into the work that you do as well. And you get to influence the climate around you because it's never just one person working. Of course, you always have a team. So um, I think the stronger the character you are, the more confident you are, and just the better your interpersonal skills are, the way you can make people believe in your vision and your passion and get them motivated and excited, then the quicker you can get the results that you're seeking. I don't know if this answered your question. Yeah, no, it does, because I, we we're touching onto the like core skills and we'll go on that even more now. So you've talked about patience, you talked about having a good team environment so for the listeners who want to work in the football industry which is so popular like within the last year specifically with this campaign like what core skills have supported you which could help the listeners work in this industry too being tenacious because you're going to get a lot of no's and um, there's going to be low moments but I think when you believe in the work that you're doing and you don't give up then that's where the magic happens a lot of people will tell you that your idea is crazy. And as a visionary, you either get to give up or you get to continue forward. So having confidence in yourself is so important. Understanding that there's going to be low moments, but to be able to persist past that is very important. Again, patience, because nothing happens overnight. Um, it's crazy because it's only been a year and I feel like so much has happened, but at the same time, I feel like so much hasn't happened. So um, understanding that everything takes patience. We've actually had to renew the jersey for another season just because we didn't get to peak the way that we wanted. We didn't get to sell the way that we wanted. So um, even though we've had a lot of great wins, you have to understand that patience is going to take you to the actual goal that you want to see it at. And having a good support system and great interpersonal skills, everything is about teamwork. I mean, we see football as a team, but the organization part of it is teamwork too, because you're working with so many different roles, departments, cultures, people, 
And the more understanding you are, then the better you're going to work. So it's never a one man's job or a one woman's job, but it's actually a team. So just communication is really important. Patience, confidence, um, knowing when to stand up, knowing when to let others speak. It's just, it's the whole journey. But how about just putting an idea into action? Because you said right at the beginning is you came with this idea with your father. Like, let's be honest, in that little micro moment, how nervous were you? But also how proud of you for, as you said, stepping up? Because I assume that's just as important as a quality as well. Like for the listeners, if you believe in something and you can do something about it, it's sometimes, sometimes it's going to be quiet, but a lot of the times actually best to rise to the occasion. So in that conversation with your dad what did you learn from that experience with regards to your courage and I know you're relieved that he said he said yes but how proud of you for like taking that step reflecting I'm very very proud I've consulted my mom I consulted my brother I consulted my friends so it was just a lot of practicing how I'm going to tell him what should I tell him and I felt like the more I talked to people the better the input I got so I definitely say have a strong team go to them consult with them before you're going to do something big just because you learn a lot from other people so oftentimes we think that we know it all but every person you talk to adds something of value and I just remember um, my brother was actually the one that said you should announce it on Women's Day it's tomorrow and I think the timing I mean, a big part of marketing is timing because you can have great ideas, but if it's not the right time, they don't materialize as well. So um, it was almost midnight, you know, March 7th, turning into March 8th. And I finally had the courage and I was like, okay, I'm going to FaceTime my dad, but I just knew he was going to say no. So I had my rebuttal argument already ready. And it was the easiest yes. Um, which again, there's surprises that shock you. So that's great too. You know, as often as we want to prepare for the no's, I think we need to be optimistic and understand that there are some yeses that are around the corner too. So it was a very, very exciting moment. Um, I had to practice a lot. I had note cards. I was trying to build my argument of why this was necessary, how it was going to push the team forward. But um, it's something that, yes, I'm absolutely very proud of because I knew in my heart that I needed to do it. And I consulted with somebody that works within the team and he didn't think it was a good idea. And I kind of just, I thought he was going to back me up with my father because I knew it was going to be a very difficult conversation. And then I said, you're not supporting me? Like, okay, I'm going to do this alone. So I'm really proud that I didn't give up in that moment. But again, it's just, when you believe in something, you just have to push forward. And I think courage is you know a skill that we all need especially if we are standing up for something absolutely and I want to touch on another element now looking back again with getting out your comfort zone how has that supported you as well because courage is one thing but getting out the comfort zone in the moment I think I don't know I get goosebumps when I get out my comfort zone so how did you process that element when you got a few no's but you knew it was the right thing to do I'm a woman's activist. So just knowing the climate of, okay, this is a controversial topic, but it's been opening a lot over the years, just understanding how more Western teams operate in terms of social activism, sports, I just knew it was right. So there was just this gut feeling like you have to do this. Um, my voice shakes when I get nervous, I break out. So like in hives, but again, even if my voice was going to quiver, I just knew that I needed to get it out because 
again, there was just something telling me that you have to do this. And I just follow that voice. Okay, so let's get to today's podcast topic. Like, so how can the football industry really sort of solve this global problem with regards to women violence? Like, could we go through the campaign and the vision behind it? But from a bigger picture now, how can we start acknowledging it, but also solving it with regards to a football industry perspective? I think everything begins with conversation. So, you know, the beauty of the football industry is that it's arguably one of the most influential industries in the world. And there's millions upon millions upon millions of people watching. And we all have our idols. We have our favorite teams that we love. We have our favorite footballers that we love. And when we see our idols speaking out against something, then we believe them because we look up to them. We admire their athletic talent. So I think there's so much power in the organizations, the clubs, the players. And when they're speaking out against something, then we start to question whether we believe it's right or not, even if we were against them before. So I think that there's a lot of power in exposure and great influence and everything begins with conversation. When you are credible, when you're giving statistics, when people are transparent and vulnerable and sharing their truth, you can fill their heart and you need a human to human connection to understand that, okay, women are actually suffering. And unfortunately, even though men do abuse women, sometimes they don't really know the effect that it's causing. So if they were to hear their favorite football players share how devastating it is, then maybe they would listen and maybe have a guilty conscience. But again, for me, I believe that, you know, the biggest way to, solve male violence towards women is showing alternative methods of anger. In Turkey specifically, you know, road rage, lots of arguments, explosion, like we just accept that when you're angry, you yell, you shout, you punch the wall, whatever. But imagine if you're teaching little boys from elementary school that walk away when you're angry, count to three, you know, meditate. So I think it has to start with showing alternate ways of handling our anger versus just saying they're angry, let them get it out, which is what we so often hear in Turkey. So um, the influence of the football industry is that if a campaign were to be started offering solutions, people would listen because people love sports. So just understanding the power that it has. But again, everything happens with conversation, I think that's the biggest part because we know it's happening, but we don't know to the extent that it's happening and we don't know um, to the effect that it's happening either. So we have to share statistics and we have to share human to human stories and real emotions. So how can education have a role as well? Like it touches on the education piece, but I'm a big believer of self-education and that's how I got connected by you. I'm going to share the story of how we got connected. I was literally browsing through LinkedIn. I saw this article and I'm like, Wow, this is you caught my eye with regards to it said um using a uh, football jersey as a symbol. And I literally just sent a LinkedIn request, blown away by the article, and we really that's how we got on this mic right now. But that's where my own self-education, I then read your article, looked at some statistics. I'm like, hmm, okay, I get get the vibe here and get you as a leader as well, by the way. But just going back to my original question, like, how can education have an an important part as well out of interest? Sharing statistics is important. So a lot of times, again, going back to the marketing of our team, 
people tell me, let's create a brand new social media and post everything there. But I said that defeats the purpose because we're trying to interrupt football with real statistics. We're not going to get as many followers on that other page, but people want to watch the sport. So if we just interrupt it with some statistics, with some stories, because they love their team, because they love their football players, they're going to, they have no choice but to see it. So I think um, having the right platform that you're putting this information on, because not everybody's going to follow a platform only dedicated to violence against women. So choosing the right platforms, interrupting it with statistics and stories, I think is really important because where there's a will, there's a way, but everybody doesn't understand that they want to know about male violence towards women. But if you interrupt it where they're looking for something else and it's there in their face and they have no choice but to read it. So for me, I think um, if you want to self-educate a person, the person has to first want it themselves. But a lot of people don't want it. So there's a statistic in Turkey that 38% of women in Turkey are going to be abused by a partner or a past partner. And obviously these are all males and this is a very male dominated arena, sports, football. So that means that almost one in two women are being abused by a man in Turkey and these men are watching football. So what we're doing is we're disrupting the arena and saying that, okay, look, one in two of you are abusers and we're going to put our message and say that this is wrong, this is bad. And um, they have no choice but to feel guilty in the weight of what they're doing. So um, self-education is important, but typically self-education is for the men who are not abusing women. And our goal is to target the men who are. Wow. So I assume then the third way is to provide tools. You said it earlier with meditating or count to three. Like I assume that's the next step after that to then break that habit behavior. Is that sort of correct? Yes. I mean, that works when you're with really young children. When you're with adults, I think therapy is the best way. So in my ideal world, I would be giving everybody free therapy because I think that we all harbor issues within ourselves that we don't heal. But um, especially given Turkey's economic state right now, people can't afford therapy on their own. And it's not something that they think about. But if it's free and it's offered, especially through your workplace, then you might explore it. So for adults, I recommend therapy. For young children, I definitely recommend alternate um, solutions to handle your anger. And also because when you're older, you've got those habits unfortunately built in. So without a doubt, I can connect what you're saying. So get into like the marketing side finally then. You said that great phrase again, which I said earlier about using the jersey as a symbol. Like where's the vision now with this symbol moving forward? I'm really curious. So I don't know if you can see it, but there's tiny little writing here. In 15 different languages, we say end violence against women. So we want this to be a global symbol for ending violence against women because there has been no other social impact jersey in sports for this cause. So we're hoping that, you know, the more people will see this, will relate to it and just want to wear it for what it stands for. So um, I know a lot of people within my network in the U.S., they are not football fans are what we call soccer. And they bought the jersey, even though it's a Turkish team, they don't watch the sports simply because of the message. So we're hoping that women and men around the world will say, you know, yes, let's end violence against women. It's in different languages. This is something that's international. And just the colors, you know, again, it's 
Samsa's Wars logo, but it's the first president of Turkey. And he has, you know, huge history and he was all for women's rights. So there's a lot of heritage behind it too. But yes, we want it to be a symbol of strength and hope because there has never been anything like this before. So we want people to stand by the cause, stand up together. We're hoping that it's attractive enough where it doesn't just look like a football kit, but something that is strong and powerful and that people can be proud of. Absolutely. I love it. And I think it's so important as well. I want to pivot the conversation a little bit now because you said it's been a journey the last year, but I'd love to talk about your leadership journey because honestly, you've got to follow Sejan on Instagram. She just shares so many cool like antidotes of her thoughts, but also your posts of this journey as well. And how has your leadership method or journey been the last year like how would you sum it up because I think it's been really fascinating and again you should be proud but how have you embraced this position from a leader's perspective that's a really interesting question because I haven't really thought of it I think I just wake up every morning and I just do and I do day by day week by week and I just know that I want to raise awareness and then certain big dates pop up an idea comes I work with a team we develop it more So it's just been um, really exciting, really interesting, but honestly, it's just been project to project. So we announced it on March 8th that we were going to create a purple jersey. And my second degree is actually in product development and fashion design. So this was the first merchandise that I got to design to be sold. And I was able to use that degree. So that was the next phase, color samples, designs, what do we want written? What is the font? where the seam's gonna be cut for a uniform fit for male and women. So um, that was the next step. And then the next step we said, okay, we have to create a video to introduce it to the world. And then we did that. And then we had another video that was a little bit more emotional. And then next came um, November 25th, which is the International Day of Elimination for Violence Against Women. And we had a whole campaign. So. Um, I never really saw it as leadership. I just said, okay, this date is coming up or this is the next step. So you're literally working week by week. And then next thing you know, a whole year has passed. So even though a lot of people call me a leader, I don't really see it that way because I just wake up and I'm excited to work and create and be creative. So I get to use both like my marketing degree and my fashion degree, and I get to be creative and business oriented and strategic. So I've never thought about how to really connect it. I've just always seen one goal um, at a time and just work step by step. And then you look back, a year has passed, a lot has been accomplished. Let's rewind. You kept that quiet that you actually designed the kit. Come on. What did you enjoy the most from that process? Because you're putting your education into practice from both of those degrees, but from a kit perspective, could you just share a little insight of that just journey, that like well, big project, but micro project in the bigger picture of things? We were on a very tight schedule. So we were trying to decide on the third kit and I'm not responsible for designing any of the kits. But once I said, let's do it purple, of course, I was, you know, head of this project. Um, before then, it was going to be a turquoise jersey, but our rivals have a certain turquoise. So we were already late on the timeline because There's a whole timeline of when things go into production so that it's ready to be sold, et cetera. So we were already running late. And I remember the person I was working with was saying that, okay, 
just pick purple, you know, purple alone is symbolic enough. You don't have to put anything on it, just make it purple. But I was very particular about the shades of purple and I just kept ordering it. It has an ombre effect. So there's, um, yeah, there's like two colors and it, you know, transitions. And I was very particular about picking the two purples that had to go together. And they said, say, John, we are already late. It's not going to meet it in time. And I was saying, I don't care. This is a special jersey. You know, the design is more important than the timeline. You can sell it late. We'll have the other jerseys. But I was requesting a lot of samples to see like what colors would match together. And to me, that was the most exciting part. And just little things that people don't pay attention to is that there are different skin tones for footballers. So um, one color was a very dark purple that looked like black skin color. And I was saying, we can't use that because one, it's too dark. It doesn't look like purple, but it's going to blend too much in with dark skin. So um, these are things that if you're very um, detail oriented, you catch, but otherwise it just, you know, it can fly by very easily. So, okay. Again, putting on the spot a little bit, what are the benefits of being detailed orientated in certain things of decisions but when it, when are there times when you go right look we just gotta put this out there so where's that fine line between um the fine line is understanding that there is a timeline so of course the closer you get to it you just say i've put in a lot of work already i just gotta trust the decision but i think the beauty of being detail oriented is that you see everything from every angle and you've already analyzed the pros and cons of each option and choice that you're choosing. So um, every time I'm making a decision, people will say this. And I was like, I've already thought about that. We can't do that because the con of this is this. So um, it's exciting, but you stretch out your timeline a lot being detail oriented. And then it comes to the very, very, very last second where you do not have any time left. And then you just got to trust whatever decision you came to at that moment. So it's an exciting process, but um, you're always in your head, you know, wondering and analyzing. But the beauty is that since you've seen it from every angle, you already know that it's probably going to be really successful because you've weighed out everything. Just on a bigger picture thing, so people who work in the football industry again, like how have you seen this fast-paced football industry in that day-to-day -day work? Because a lot of people go, oh, I want to work at the football industry, work at a football club, but then they're there and they go, oh my goodness, it's fast-paced. You've explained it already with examples, but just for the listeners listening in, how do you adjust to that sort of timeline, but also like how a club runs? I think it'll be really helpful for the listeners to get a snapshot understanding before they're in that environment, if that makes sense. I think you really have to have a really good calendar to plan. So of course you're going to have match days and you're going to win or you're going to lose. So if you win, you're going to have a different post on social media. If you lose, you're going to have a different post. And then you have to take into account there are special days, there are special holidays, there are things that you have to post for. And again, if you win or if you lose, it changes what you can or can't post. So if you have a calendar of the special days, it at least alleviates half of the work. And then the other half, you just leave it to winning or losing, which is out of your control. But the better you plan, the less stress you're going to have. But there's just so much coming up because you have so many games and then you have so many holidays. And if you're standing for a cause, you have special days. With that as well, of course, you're going to always have updates going on. So it's it moves very quickly, but I think that makes the time go by a lot faster at the same time, too. So you don't really feel like 
you're on this time crunch because it's exciting. Like you always have something to do. You're always um, managing something new. You're being creative. You're learning how to be efficient because we're finding shortcuts. So to me, I think that's the beauty of it. I don't like standing still. I think when there's less to do, time goes by a lot slower. So I'm just, I'm always looking for, okay, what next? What next? Again, I'm going to pivot this conversation because it relates to an Instagram post, which really got me thinking. And from a career development, I think it's super important. Now, there was a big post you talked about being real. And this is a micro section of it, of one of your sort of definition. You said, real is holding yourself accountable, understanding that words is your bond, which sets your reputation and character. Now, there's just a snapshot, everybody. You've got to read the full post. But my ask, what inspired you to write that post? And reflecting of why you wrote it, why it's so important for our personal selves, but also I think it's important for our career development. Love your thoughts of what inspired you to write that. I think I was just seeing a lot of Instagram posts where people would say, I'm a real one, I'm a real one. And I just was thinking about it. Like, you know, when you are a real one, you know, you're not really talking about yourself. You're just always acting and doing, and you don't necessarily have to exalt yourself up. So I think I was just in a period of my life where I was getting a lot of inconsistency around me, but then the same people that were giving inconsistent actions were um, claiming to be very honest and real and this. And I just wanted to take it as a moment of self-reflection because I think that who you are doesn't have to be said by you. And I think a lot of people are afraid to look deeper within. They're afraid to heal, to hold themselves accountable. But for me, like your word is your bond. I noticed that you mentioned that. And it's like, I'm very particular. If I say something, I'm going to do it and I have to do it. And I think that's what a lot of society lacks. They give a lot of empty promises, a lot of empty words. The words don't really hold much weight. So I just, in that moment, wanted to share that because I think that um, social media is often a place where we just see nice photos with no depth. And I wanted to just add a little bit more and just give a little bit of space where people could like think, am I real? You know, just after reading my post, but um, I think that, again, it goes back to leadership. When you are a leader, again, people are looking at what you say. And if your words don't match your actions, then you're no longer trustworthy. And if you're not trustworthy, you can't lead. You don't get to have a team that wants to work with you. So um, I just want to share little nuggets here and there. I know earlier you said you didn't see yourself as a leader the last sort of 12 months. But again, you, you did get an award so recently and I was just, I just said the best guy, super proud because I, I said to you, but this is just the beginning, don't stop. But what is your, you said it a little bit just then, but what would you say your definition of leadership, which you hope you carry on yourself just naturally without thinking? But for the, uh, the reason I say this is there could be people listening going, I want to make an impact. Or, and I know that's a huge phrase, but they really do. But sometimes they didn't, may not have taken the courage you did with your dad with that conversation that could be a little micro example which people may have to do but going back to my question like what's your definition definition of leadership within yourself leadership to me is being able to gather a team together to work towards the same cause so i think oftentimes you know we all have our own dreams and passions and vision but to be able to talk to other people, to share that, and then bring us all together for the same cause, I think that's leadership. So it's the one that's taking that initial step saying, hey, we all want the same thing, let's come together. Because you do need someone to 
unite a team and that leader is the one uniting it. But at the same time, we all have our own roles. So the leader isn't the one necessarily in charge. They're just the one of taking the initial step and bringing everyone together and organizing it so that we all move towards the same goal. So oftentimes people think, oh, the leader is like the head in charge, but no, the leader is just organizing everybody's goals and gifts so that we can like move in an organized fashion. That's what leadership is to me. So it's like being a conductor and then letting people showcase their strengths with their instruments. Is that what you're saying with the team element? That's a beautiful analogy. Absolutely. I think it's an important point. You said the leaders have to be doing every task. It's how they gather the best people for the, you know, out, you know, the, um, the main outcome. So, wow, what a fun conversation. I'm really enjoying this. But out of interest now, from the last, you know, five years at the football club, but particularly the last year, what have you enjoyed the most? I think just making Samsung proud. So, um, of course, we have a lot of pride, like I told you, because of the history of the War of Independence, the first president, etc. But now, you know, we are a team that is in the first league. Um, so, well, first division, second league. But the fact that we are making such strides in national news in Turkey and for this city to have their pride makes me so excited. I remember when the viral attack was going on with the unconscious woman, um, quite a few comments were coming where people were saying two days ago, I was very ashamed to come from Samsun. But now that you announced that you're going to make a purple jersey to spread awareness of violence against women, you've made me proud again. So to know that people said that I was ashamed of my city and now I'm proud of my city. And then for this full year going forward, many people are saying, I'm so proud to be from Samsung because this purple jersey is bringing such great attention to our city. That makes me excited. Um, it's just, I look back and I'm just like, okay. And again, I'm a very optimistic person. I always believe like the best is going to happen, but I feel like the environment that I'm in Turkey, people are typically more, they call themselves realists. I call themselves pessimists. But um, I think just to make them believe that something far bigger that they can imagine can come true is really exciting because I had high expectations for this campaign, but this completely blew it out of the water. And for people that I'm working with to see the attention that is coming, to understand that dreams literally do come true and watch this journey unfold and for it to inspire them to be able to act on their own visions or dreams makes me really excited because they are watching a living example of, yes, you can get everything you want and it can be far bigger than you can imagine. So just to be able to give that pride to people, but also to show them that they can dream and that dream can come true is something that I'm very proud of. You should be. And it goes back to sort of very common phrase, like believing is seeing. And you've created that seeing with that, with your team, by the way. Wow. Um, I hope people are taking notes with us to campaigns and believing in a vision and solving a bigger problem than just football. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview. We'd like to finish with an inspirational question just for listeners who want to start a career in the football industry, like what three qualities would you recommend? And feel free to re recap what you've already said, but what three qualities would you give to the listeners starting out in the football industry? What would they be? Definitely tenacious because you just have to continue. You can't give up. You got to just push through. And if you believe or if you want to really achieve something, you're going to understand you're going to have hard times and good times, but continue to push through. You have to be patient because things do not happen overnight. So 
um, patience will take you very, very far in the football industry, because I think there's just so much growth. But again, it's such an influential industry that people are not going to just hand you the position that you want. But little efforts over time builds up consistency and you need patience to be able to continue, which also goes back to tenacity, but then also just great interpersonal skills because everything is a teamwork. You can't be a person that just wants to work alone and think you're going to succeed in this industry because you are going to be working with so many different people, characters, cultures, personalities, um, organization within the structure. So you just have to be able to relate to a lot of people and take instruction really well. Wow. They are awesome, those three. And again, hope people are taking notes like I am. And particularly with what you said about entrepreneurial skills, I think they are vital. Out of interest, Say, Jan, how can people interact with you online? Where's the best places to go? Uh, my Instagram, which is at Zayjan Rochelle. My name is Z-E-Y-C-A-N. It's Turkish, so the C is, sounds different. Um, it is a very personal page. You will find bits of the campaign, my life, etc. We are building a campaign page that's called United For Her, with four as in the number. Um, it's not ready yet and a website for that too but if you go to my page then you'll see that and then of course our football team is Samsung Spore, but it's in Turkish so I think my page is the best place to go and you can be linked to anything else and I do read my messages so message me and I will guide you to more information about the campaign. That's amazing to all the listeners listening in that Instagram link will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat say so Jan it's been such a joy chatting with you today thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome to speak with you and share the journey. What an awesome podcast chat with Zayjan. And it's conversations like this that get me excited for so many reasons. Number one, from a sports career education standpoint, it was so wonderful to hear how Zayjan applied her education into the football industry with regards to her business marketing degree and her fashion degree with regards to this campaign. But looking at Persunica in the football industry from a bigger picture, I hope you saw a different light of how the power of football can not just influence the football pitch, not just influence a football club, but actually influence society when solving, I would say, a bigger cause for a greater good. And without a doubt, that's why so much I admire what Sejan has done by taking the courage with the idea to a father and then making it happen with her team. And that's why I just also enjoyed learning about her self-leadership philosophy through the project, which just came so naturally through our conversation. So I hope you've got a better understanding with regards to this podcast topic, how a football jersey can be such a powerful symbol with the right marketing to make a bigger impact off the pitch, which can influence society in such a positive way. So for that reason, it was just a really enjoyable conversation, which I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. But from a career development standpoint, I really do hope you apply those three qualities right at the end, particularly if you want to pursue a career in the football industry. And that is having the ability to be patient, be consistent with your actions, and then eventually in time, you'll get what you deserve. But being patient, it has been used quite a fair bit on this podcast, But I have to say it's such an important quality because when the opportunity arises, you've got to take ownership of it and really fulfill what you want to do in the football industry. So on that note, 
Let me know your biggest takeaway from this podcast chat. Let me know on Instagram or Twitter at edbowers101. Love to hear your biggest learning lesson and what you're going to apply from, say, Jan's learning into your development now and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Zayjan said, focus on the little efforts over time with consistency and don't give up. That is where the magic happens in achieving in what you want.